Father, I just give you thanks for uh, what you have given me to say today, and I pray that it would resonate uh, with the minds and the hearts of uh, each person here. So just bless this time that we'll have. Father, let your will be done. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this <coughs> is not the sermon I had prepared for today. <laughs> um, if you ever, I, I would assume most people here have used a GPS before, right? And GPS devices are wonderful um, because they can, if you, even though you're following the GPS, if you make a wrong turn, they're constantly reminding you, you know, turn around, turn around, you turn, you know, whatever. Um, which is annoying if you actually are going the wrong way on purpose because you know that there's a faster way. My GPS almost gets haughty with me. It's kind of like, how dare you doubt <laughs> the way I'm taking you? Um, and so the title that I gave this message today is uh, Course Correction. And this is really not a, a sermon per se, as much as it is an opportunity to sort of lay out uh, the course that I believe God would have us take for this church. Um, a little bit of background is probably, will probably be helpful for a lot of you, but the sole reason that I wanted to become part of the Vineyard movement was because I truly valued the supernatural aspect of ministry. Growing up Catholic, uh, there was none of that. In fact, I think the only time the Holy Ghost was even mentioned might be in a creed. Um, certainly no hint of anything more than just simply sitting in a, a church service and singing and listening and going home. So that was sort of my experience growing up. And so my uh, once I sort of I drifted away from the faith for a while, eventually came back, and, and really came back into a place of wanting to know God more deeply. And through pursuing that, found out that there was this whole other aspect of faith that was out there that no one had ever talked about before. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, people are getting healed. And I found this healing service um, a ways away and started going to that on Wednesday evenings and just sat there fascinated by everything that was going on. Could see God touching people and healing people and uh, people just experiencing sort of that touch of God. And I, the whole thing, and so I started reading books and, and uh, that's really how I got introduced to John Wimber and the Vineyard. And so when God called and said, I want you to go do this, that was the, uh, that was the model that I really had in my mind. But sometimes best laid plans don't always go according uh, to what you originally thought. And so what sort of happened was I got caught up in a um, how do we appeal to people mentality? And, and so that has been a struggle against this idea of supernatural ministry for years. 
And um, I've always, you know, I've fought it, and I keep, you, you go one way, then you go back the other way, and you're trying to uh, figure out, okay, how do we do this? How, how can we do both of these things? I guess was really sort of where I landed, was trying to figure out how can we have both of these things? How can we be attractional to people and still Im enjoy and, and, and have an element, really a whole worship service of supernatural ministry? Well, recently, uh, some events, I think, have conspired to um, sort of realign my focus. That's why I'm calling it a course correction. First thing was, I read an article in Charisma magazine. <laughs> it was called, Let's Get Scary. The point of the article is basically that churches should embrace the ministry of the Holy Spirit and, trop, and stop trying to attract seekers, basically. And I just want to read you a couple of lines from this article that stood out to me in particular. This one was the first. It's time self-focused, semi-interested people are no longer given the opportunity to demand what they are looking for in a church. was like, wow. When I read that, it was just, it was, just kind of hit me across the head. And this was written by a pastor who ha basically had been through this very thing, right? Was called to have a church that was focused on the supernatural, and yet, you know, had listened to all the smart people telling him to, you know, this is how you should do it, or that's how you should do it. And one of the statements he makes is, the reality was that by attempting to tra attract those types of people that I just referenced, I was compromising the vision. And that's exactly what was happening here, and has been. And then the last thing I want to read from this article, and if you, well, actually I have a couple. Excuse me. And if anybody wants to read this, email me. I've got this as a PDF electronically. I'd be happy to send it to you. You may not like what you read, but... <laughs> I'm willing to give it to you. He then goes on to say, I believe it's central to the mission of the church to give opportunity for people to clearly evaluate their commitment and to give room for them to leave. The intensity of the truth demands it. We must call people out of a natural life and into the supernatural, out of a casual place and into radical surrender. He then says this, my lifelong commitment in ministry is this, I refuse to tone down the activity of the Holy Spirit out of respect for those who are less hungry. Amen. Amen. And then he closes the article with this, my challenge to pastors is simple, risk everything. Allow your church to dwindle if necessary to a few remnant people who will live, pray, walk, and advance in the Spirit the world is waiting for them. And I think that's true. And I mean, I, I, you know, I have seen this play out in the life of our church. You know, we, we, we see people come, we see people go. The point of the article is not that we want to turn people away. 
The point of the article is that if the fire of the Holy Spirit is burning in this place, they won't help. They'll, two thing, one of two things will happen. They'll either be attracted to it or repelled by it. And if they're repelled by it, we have to be okay with that. But when they sense that, that God is present in this place, if there is even just a spark of hunger in them, they're going to want more. They're going to see that more is available here. Right? And so that's kind of where I am. That was the first thing that happened, sort of in this little journey that I have been taking. Um, Yeah, one of the notes I made as I was sort of thinking about this this morning was, you know, we go through this mindset of how do we attract this group or that group? Well, the point is that we don't really attract anybody. (laughs) And if we're the reason they're attracted, then they're attracted for the wrong reason. Yeah? I mean, I've never wanted to be a pastor-focused church where the only reason people are here is because they like me. If that's the reason they're here, then I have failed miserably. Right? So I don't want that to be the case. If that's been the case, um, I don't want that to be the case anymore. Right? Because that's not why people should come. That's not what's going to really attract people. Okay, so then some recent events. The article was one. The second occurred really last week when John and I went to a uh, training session for School of Kingdom Ministry. And if you're not familiar, School of Kingdom Ministry is a class that we've been doing here for now seven years? Six. Six years. um, That is essentially a nine-month-long course in sort of learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit and in ministry and just in life in general, right? and so every year they, they hold a training session. And John's asked me to go in the past, and I never had you know, so much of a, you know, a, a burning desire to go. But this year, that was the case. This year, it was like I knew I was supposed to be there. So we went. And one of the things that was presented there was um, Putty Putman, who uh, runs the school, did a series of talks And uh, the majority of the material that he covered came from this book. It's called The Unseen Realm. Now, without without going into a whole lot of detail about this, um, and I I will echo what he says about it is, if you read this, it will blow your mind. There is also, this is a little bit of academic, not terribly so. I would think most people would probably enjoy it. If you're scared by that, there's a shorter, thinner version that's just called Supernatural. And it basically, it's the material in this book that he's skinnied down uh, to make it a bit more accessible. You know, if you're kind of put off by... It's not terribly academic, but he does get into some arguments about how he's interpreting things, you know, because and, and he's, he's trying to be very fair and present multiple sides of the argument, right? And, and why he disagrees with what other scholars say. So either one of these, the unseen realm or supernatural. And the point of the books are that 
what Dr. Heiser is trying to do is he's trying to open people's eyes to be able to read the Bible through the eyes of the individuals that wrote it, through their worldview. Because the problem we have today with reading the Bible, I shouldn't call it a problem so much as a stumbling block, is that we tend to read it with 21st century eyes and experiences, right? And we try, we don't do this intentionally, but we end up reading into the text what we think we know about it, which is not at all, sometimes, what it actually is saying. And so what he is, what he is putting forth is an argument that there is far more supernatural activity going on in the Bible than we ever thought there was, or, or most people would have thought this. And he brings out one, I think it's a fairly comical point for people that kind of like, oh, supernatural, I don't think I want that. So here's the deal. You, you've become a Christian. As part of becoming a Christian, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And as part of believing in Jesus is the Son of God, you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. You also believe that Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead. Right? Do we all believe that? Okay. So if we believe that, well, first of all, let me ask a question. Isn't that weird? Right? That's kind of weird, right? Let's just be honest. A woman has a baby without having intercourse. That's weird. A man raises from the dead without any real help from anybody else. That's weird. But yet, we believe that. But as soon as the Bible starts to drift into any other mention of anything else supernatural, we're like, ugh, I don't believe that. Why is that in there? <laughs> yeah? Or we have instances where pastors won't preach certain, t certain aspects of Scripture because it's just too strange. Well, this material... I think, will really help change your worldview to be able to start to see what it was the authors of Scripture were really talking about. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think anyone has any stones, so I'm probably safe. They have phones. They could throw phones. I'll be phoned. <laughs> um, yes, he was phoned to death. What started all this with uh, this author, just as a little bit of a preview was, he was in, he was in uh, graduate school. He, got a, he has his PhD in Hebrew studies, right? So he's able to actually go back and read those ancient texts, you know. And so he was reading a Hebrew Bible. And a, a friend of his who was in school with him came up to him on a Sunday morning at church, showed him and said, read verse 1. And he was showing him Psalm 82, verse 1. Can someone grab a Bible for me real quick? Thank you. I'd prefer not, but... Uh, 
Okay, Psalm 80 turn, 82, verse 1, says this. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Let me read that again. And in, in Hebrew, the word for God is Elohim. And what it says in the Hebrew is that Elohim has taken his place in the divine council. Okay, wait a minute. What's the divine council? In the midst of the Elohim, he holds judgment. And when he read that, he was like, how could I have not seen that before? And just as a point of clarification, Elohim um, is like, let's say, our, our English word sheep, in that it can be singular or plural depending upon the context in which it's used. You can have one sheep or you can have a whole flock of sheep, right? Well, Elohim works the same way. You have to look at the sentence structure, which means you have to know Hebrew. And, and, and here, in the ESV, it's translated correctly. But yet, all of a sudden, this idea of that there was a divine council with other gods jumps out at him. So that's what started this whole journey that took him 15 years to complete. So anyway, just in reading that book, it really reinforced in me this idea of needing to have a supernatural worldview of things. So that was another sort of jumping off point. Then this past week, a couple of things, a couple of other things have happened. I got an email uh, from someone who had gotten a word uh, for the church. And I tend to take the, and this was someone that I, I implicitly trust. Um, and so I paid attention to it for that reason. And I'll just read you what was written. And uh, it starts off with God speaking. This is what was written down. What I'm going to do here will be birthed out of worship. The person then asked, well, how can we engage with that? God's response was, be all in. They asked, what does that mean? God's response, don't hold back. Engage with all you are in worship. Let the rest flow out of and within worship. It's not separate. It's not a separate time. It's the integral part of all. All. Not only in the service, even ministries that don't happen during that time frame. What you are looking for is found here in worship. It is here I will release my spirit. It is here you will find what is next. Go with it. Embrace it. Engage with me in it. Ministry will flow out of worship. It will be birthed out of worship. You will hear my spirit in worship. Miracles will come out of worship. I am bringing worship and truth together. I am welding the two together. The two are becoming one. The person then asks, what does that look like? God's response, release prophecies during worship as part of worship. Release healings during worship. It's not an interruption. 
It's all a part of me. It's all one. I want you to see it as one. You will need to be one for that to happen. To release my spirit, unity, oneness with each other and with me, both are equally important. And here's how God closes this. I love who you are and what you are becoming. I'm excited about what is coming. Do you understand that? God is excited. God is excited about what is coming. I mean, that just kind of blows my mind. I'm sort of thinking it might take a lot to excite God. Am I wrong there? I mean, you've created the universe, right? And you're excited about what's going to happen here. Well, that kind of gets me excited. So, then, sort of the last thing is that, I guess most of you know that we had a prayer time here on uh, Wednesday night. And we had... Uh, I'm just going to say, call truth what it is. We had our faithful few show up for it. We've been doing this now for months, and we typically have about eight people, and it's generally the same eight that show up every time. Uh, and I praise God for those faithful few. But what I did, I felt like what we were supposed to do and we, I've really been trying to, and this probably is somewhat of a precursor to what's starting to happen here, is that I've really tried to let the Holy Spirit determine what it is we're going to do that night. And it's been sort of an interesting ride because it's oftentimes I don't really know what we're supposed to do until the day of or right before we meet. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, we'll do that. So what I, what I had sensed for this week was that I... God sort of highlighted several words for me, just not, not words from God, but just words, English words. Power, healing, prophecy, Holy Spirit, worship, and kingdom. All right? So each, what I said was, I just read those out, and I said, I'd like each person just to take one of those words and then just ask the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for this church? And so that's what happened. We got, a, a, it was very interesting, and I can't tell you, it was several people that started out what they had heard from God by saying, this is not what I expected. I love that. Because that means God was talking. Yeah. Right? Because if we think we know what he's going to say, it's probably really just us. But when all of a sudden it goes in a completely different direction, then you can be fairly certain that that's probably not coming from you. You know, that that's, that's truly the Lord speaking. Well, I took for myself, I decided just to ask God a question. So I said, and this is from my journal, I said, what do you want to say to me as pastor of Harmony Vineyard Church? That can be kind of a scary question to ask. Because you have to be ready for the answer. Good or bad, Right? But it was good. This is what I, I, I sense the Lord saying. You are going in the right direction. 
stay the course. Listen to me, not to what your instincts tell you. Some will not be happy. Bless them as they leave, but do not let the few dictate the many. Press in, even when it feels awkward. All right, so then I asked a kind of a, a follow-up question. Okay, well, what, and do you know that, that God is interested in uh, not just uh, speaking to you, but in having a conversation? God wants to have a conversation with you. It shouldn't be one way in either direction, necessarily. So I said, well, what do you mean by pressing in? And these, this is the word <laughs> that I, I didn't really want to hear. Don't be afraid to wait on my Holy Spirit. He is not a dog who comes when called. Go out and try to talk and, and try to tell the wind which way to blow. He will come if you will wait for him. Our timing is perfect. I think I've said this before. Do you know how hard it is for me to wait? Do you know how hard it is for me to wait when I have 40 or 50 people out there who are just kind of sitting there looking at me? Like, what are we doing now? Do you know John Wimber in conferences used to wait as long as a half an hour in silence for the Holy Spirit to come? His own staff would be sitting there going, oh my God, this is taking forever. But then once the Spirit came, it was amazingly powerful. I'm really going to need your help on that. I'm, you know, I will, this is hard for me. A minute goes by and I'm like, God, where are you? God is not a dog who comes when called. All right. And then he closes with, our timing is perfect. Anything, is there anything else I should know, which was the final thing that I asked? And it, it, it was interesting to me that he addressed my fear. Because he, in the first, the, he, the first thing he said was, don't be afraid to wait on my Holy Spirit. That was just before. The second thing was, and this is a little bit hard, this might be a little hard to hear. Don't be afraid to shut down people or deny them the microphone if you have even the slightest sense it's not from me. Okay. Not only do I not like to wait, I really don't like confrontation either. <laughs> I'll do just about anything to avoid confrontation. And I know that's a fault. You know, that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, then he goes on to say, even though it may sound like me, trust that I will affirm what I want said and done. Do not worry and do not be anxious about any of this. Oh yeah, well that's easy for you to say. <laughs> um, but then he goes on to say, I will help you know, I will help you see, I will help you hear, just trust in him who is, who was, and who is to come. So, <laughs> anybody want to leave now? Sure. Well, what do you mean block them out? Well, you were talking about the 
That's people coming forth. We, we have tried to encourage folks uh, on, during our services that if they believe they're getting a word from God, they're, they're able to come forth, right? But we ask them they should be coming to me or to John or to Andre uh, and checking to make sure that we, we, need, we want to release people because we don't want things that are said that really aren't of God. And oftentimes the question that I will ask someone that comes to me is, is this a word for you or is this a word for the church? Oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear on that. Um, no, this is, no, we want anybody and everybody are welcome here, right? It, this is just simply what, I'm, what God is referring to here, and I think I knew what he was speaking, which maybe wasn't clear from, the, from if you didn't know the context, was want to make sure, he wants to make sure, that only the things that he wants said and done are done here, right? And so, again, I'm going to need your help. I want to encourage you. If you think you're getting a word from God, please come up and tell me. But then the other side of that is, please don't be offended if I tell you no, or not now, or something else, whatever. Because God is... You, God has put it on us, and it's not just me, it's, it's, it's all of the staff, you know, that we are to, to not allow anything that we don't truly believe is from God to be set here, right? So that, that's just the other side of it. So again, I, and I know that's probably almost sounds like a mixed message. <laughs> Please come up so we can tell you no. All right, I have some hands. Uh, we'll go with John 1 first and then John 2. One of the things that I've come to realize just recently, you know, I, I come from the other side of the coin. I've been a Pentecostal since I was 12. And, um, you know, that's, that's a couple of years. So, um, <laughs> so one of the things in Pentecost that we've been taught, we focus on Acts chapter 2, and, and we say, you know, it, it's about the Holy Spirit is about tongues. Okay? And, and we look at the scripture and it says, and they were in one accord in one place. And that means, oh, they're just all together. No, it doesn't. It means they are of one heart and one mind. And when they were one heart and one mind, then the Spirit fell on them and manifested a miraculous sign that was able to touch people in their own language. And I've met another person that I do know is for all humans. Yeah. I get what y'all say. I may not know who you are. Now, another thing, what, how God is speaking, and how is that different oh, from the opposite? No, it's not that the, the emphasis, like Jeff was saying, is on being one accord. See, yeah. what, what we do in church is we try to raise good members. Right. Our responsibility is to raise good sons. Sons do the will of their father. And so, you know, Pastor Jeff was talking about worship. And worship is, and, and I say this um, so understand where I'm coming from. Worship is not about singing or music. Worship is about obedience to the father and his voice. So we can be singing and we can be doing all the wonderful things, 
but if we're not obedient when he's nudging us, you've got a word. You've got a prophetic word. So-and-so needs needs a touch from God, and we go, and, and so there's that interplay with God. And, and so often in trying to raise up good members, we do anything to get members. But if we're raising sons, sons will go out and do what their father did. You know, it, it's, it's so important. See, we think of Jesus as the son of God, but we, we approach it from the wrong, wrong way. God is a son who had a father and a father who had a son. And Jesus was the most powerful man on earth, yet he was the most submissive man on earth to the will of his Father. And, and so I just want to say, bro, I agree with you, and we're here to, to raise up a people who will go out. And that's what Pastor Rodney does. Mm-hmm. He's calling people to rise up and take hold of the commission and go and do it. And whatever happens, happens. <laughs> because God is in control. We've got to let go and let God, as the old saying. That's right. That's right. John? John 2? I'd say it was worth a little more than that. Yeah, and I mean, and John referenced me, but please, John is available as well to, to, for you to go to, to say, hey, does this sound like this is from God? And I think that's, that, that's the attitude that we have to have, right? The minute we start saying, God said, then I, you know, we're not in a spirit of humble submission. And so the, the, the proper way to phrase that is, I believe that God is saying this to me now. Does this track? Do you think that's really God? You know, it's, so it's, it's not being so sure of ourselves. Right? Oh? I suppose. Sometimes when I spend deeper time in worship, I'm 
scripture last night. I, I'm like, God is so good Amen. that the more you press in, the more the word becomes so real that you know that God tells you that. But if, if your life of worship is not so deep where you can hear him, sometimes you're going to doubt it. And I think just worship will do it. It's like, and I'm just learning that. <laughs> no, it is awesome, and I think we're all, I mean, we, we have to understand that we're all on a, this journey together. We're all on this journey together. None of us has arrived, none of us is going to arrive short of eternity, right? So we need to be able to learn from one another. And there may be times when you need to come to me and say, I think you missed it today. I think God was working over here and you didn't notice. And that's all right. Please do that because I'm learning too. I mean, that was one of the real lessons that I got out of this school, this training for the school this last week was really learning more how to, to, to look for the Holy Spirit and what he, he's doing in a service. And so... Um, it was extremely valuable and, and, you know, it was very apparent to me why I had this real sense that this, that I was supposed to be there. So, can you guys come back up now? In closing, all I would say is this. If you, you know, if any of this sounds odd or bizarre or strange to you and you want to talk more about it, please, you know, let me know and we can get together and uh, would be happy to, you know, try to do that. Um, I don't want anybody to feel left out, you know, in this process. But I do think, you know, as one of the roles that I have as the senior pastor of this church is to try to, to discern, okay, what, is, what does God want to do in this body and um, how do we go about doing that? And so that's what I'm trying to do, right? I, it's, my sense is that he's bringing a bit of correction to me and saying, you know, you've sort of been trying to be all things to all people, and how's that working for you? Well, there's more empty seats than there are full ones today. So that's how that's working for me. Um, and that's clearly, you know, we want this to be a place that is just, that's full of, of people that want to be here, that, that are craving that experience with God. Doesn't mean that we focus totally on the experience, right? That's one of the, the sayings in the, vim, the, the, in the vineyard is this idea of the radical middle. And I've probably talked about this before, but just to, for those that may not be aware of what we're talking about when we say that, if you think of a continuum that has the Bible at this end and the Holy Spirit at this end, all right, and then there's all these points in between, the idea is that if you get a little bit too, if you get all the way down here at the Bible end, what you're going to end up with is a very dry Orthodox faith, right? There's really no life in it. It's just all about word. But if you get all the way down here at the Spirit end, that's when you start to slip into cult-like behavior because it's all about the experience. There, the word isn't there to balance anything out, so it's kind of an everything goes. 
And the radical middle, and it's called radical because it's so difficult to stay there, is that point in between where we're holding the Word and the Spirit in perfect tension with one another. Right? And we're right in that sweet spot in the middle where we have the best of both. Right? And that's the goal. That's where we want to be as a church. So, you know, we're going I will pick up my message on James to, you know, to finish off that book in a couple of weeks. But I really did feel like that's not... I, I usually don't have trouble finishing messages. I couldn't finish this one, which was really my first sign that this was not, supp- I was not supposed to talk about that this week. Um, I, it was like I had no desire whatsoever to work on it. And that's very odd. And so that's one of those sure sensings that, all right, what, God, what are you doing here? Because that's unusual, right? And you look for things that are out of the ordinary. So what I'd like to do, just to kind of close this out, is we're just going to kind of go back in and, and begin to worship some more. And um, I would encourage you all, try to engage with the Holy Spirit. Use this time to just try to press in more. Uh, and I'm going to just going to wander around and use my new skills <laughs> to see if I, you know, as I notice what God might be doing with somebody and, and just kind of helping you engage more fully with that. Um, you don't necessarily need me, but if I can be of help, I would love to. And John, I, I know, feels the same way. Uh, and so uh, let's get the lights. If, you would, if you'd like to stand, sit. I'm just going to pray a blessing over us now. Um, Feel free to stick around, worship as long as you want. If you feel God moving, I encourage you, don't leave. (laughs) Don't leave. It's not worth getting to lunch before the crowd shows up, right? If God is, is, is there, then stick around and engage with that. So, Lord God, I just, I thank you for, uh, for correcting me. I repent of trying to be all things to all people. And I, uh, I commit now in front of all of, uh, of these wonderful people that my sole focus is going to be on what you want to do here. And if that gets to be very odd and weird and strange, then we'll talk about that. But we're not going to not do it. Bless all of these, your people, Father God. I ask now that you would let your Holy Spirit come and rest in a manifest way upon each and every person here. We give you thanks and praise that you are a God who's not content to sit back and just watch, that you want to interact with us, that you want to be a part of our lives in every waking moment, not just Sunday mornings or for 15 minutes in the morning as we do our daily devotionals, but you want to guide our life. You want to speak to us in every situation about work, about church, about friends, about ministry. 
Give us all a greater sense of your presence, Father God. Thank you, Lord. There is power. 